This is the Vince Salerno Podcast, episode 33. On today's episode, I'm joined by Rose Dayton to review the latest Star Wars spinoff, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Also, we're discussing Billy D. Williams returning as Lando in Star Wars Episode 9, the first trailer for Mary, Queen of Scots, and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie is officially confirmed. So sit back and relax, because the Vince Lerno Podcast starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Vince Salerno Podcast, episode 33 on this Thursday, July 12th, 2018. I'm your host, Vince Salerno, and I'm joined by another special guest, an old friend of mine who was here once, but uh, due to a very special occasion, she's back again to talk about both our favorite thing in the entire world, Star Wars. It's Rose Dayton. Hey everybody. Welcome back, Rose. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's just great every time we get to talk about Star Wars, which, like you said, is a special occasion and one of our favorite things to discuss. So yeah, absolutely. Great to be back on. For sure. This is actually the first time Rose and I have talked to each other since, uh, well, since, I think since Christmas, right? Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It has. We've been busy and our schedule conflicted recently. So, yeah. yeah. And by and by seeing each other, I mean like we. It's not like we've been on bad turns. We just we've been talking via text. We just haven't actually like talked phone or face to face, anything like that. So, yeah, what you what you been up to? Um. Well, I'm working full time this summer, so not as much um, dealing with my like creative endeavors in terms of writing as I normally have been um, during the school year. But kind of taking a break from that for a little while. Um, I'm, I am doing some editing work. Um, but it's mostly for a business called First Data. Um, so it's it's not as, like I said, not as creative um, as some of my other projects, I guess you could say. Um, but I'm excited to get back into that starting August. I'll be attending the University of Iowa for my senior year. So that's really exciting. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations on that. It'll be, hope Thank it'll you. be a fun year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. And speaking of fun, we have several uh, topics to discuss today that are uh, pretty fun in the world of movie news. I try, going forward with the podcast, I want to try to be a little more diverse in the choices I make. Um, starting with this uh, first story that I chose to review, uh, our number one in the top three, we got the first trailer for this new movie coming out called Mary Queen of Scots, starring Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie as Royal Rivals, as the article says. Um, it stars Saoirse Ronan as um, Mary, uh, Queen of Scots, and uh, Margot Robbie as Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, is obviously the uh, the next in a line of successors for the Queen of or the Kingdom of Scotland, and Margot Robbie is the Queen of both England and Scotland. Uh, so when it's kind of confusing, but when Mary's husband dies, she returns to Scotland to take the throne, and she's hoping that Elizabeth and her can um, rule, you know, and, and have peace among their two uh, their two countries. But it doesn't seem like it's going to go down that way. Uh, I'm talking major sibling cousin rivalry. Right. Yeah. But um, it's uh. Directed by Josie Rourke from a script by the House of Cards showrunner uh, Bew Willimon. I'm a huge House of Cards fan, so that's a, that's a good 
that's a plus for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, the one thing I saw from this trailer that really spoke to me was the the scope and the epicness and the the feeling of epicness in this trailer. Um, it almost reminded me of something like like Braveheart or Gladiator. You don't really see those types of movies nowadays. This really feels like they went all out and spared no expense on the budget to shoot in real locations, um, very accurate um, set design, costume design. The acting, just from this first trailer alone, uh, looks impeccable. And they got a great cast, um, with some pretty well-known uh, actors in there. Uh, specifically, we didn't see him, but David Tennant of Doctor Who is in there, and then Guy Pierce, we saw him in there. Um, and a lot of people I've never really heard of, but, um, yeah, I mean, Rose and I are big fans of that, that Downton, those Downton Abbey type shows, so, uh, this is obviously on another scale, and obviously on a much more epic scale, almost like Downton Abbey meets Game of Thrones, uh, so I really appreciate their attention to detail, and their attention to the epicness of this story, um, and, and specifically the, the dynamic between the cousins, or the sisters. It's not really clear if they're cousins or sisters, but that dynamic and how that's going to affect their uh, family lives and their relationships. Uh, so, Rose, what did you think of the trailer for yeah. Mary, Queen of Scots? Yeah, I totally agree with the whole, like, Downton Abbey kind of dramatic feel to it. And um, I actually have watched uh, for a couple seasons, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show Rain on CW, um, and that also, it stars, um, uh, I'm going to, like, butcher her name, but Adelaide Kane starring, like, the Mary Queen of Scots. And so I'm kind of familiar with, uh, you know, the characters, and it does seem really great. Like, the movie seems like it's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for that. And um, I think the costumes, like you said, are impeccable. I'm like, wow, those are so gorgeous. And I think, I think it's going to be semi-accurate to the time period, too, which is nice, because I think sometimes with, like, spin-offs or sometimes with, you know, films, they're not they don't really follow what happened historically. Um, so I'm, this film looks like it, it hopefully will do that, you know? For sure. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it is the two, um, Mary and um, Elizabeth, have a really interesting relationship. And I also, I think, um, Mary, Queen of Scots, is Catholic, and Elizabeth, I think, is Protestant. I think that's correct. Hmm. So I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I think, there's an interesting like uh, religious dynamic too between them and between their countries. So. For sure, for sure. Well, that's that's interesting. I uh, I had no idea. Being being people of faith, I think that's that's definitely a plus for both of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like wow. <laughs> Just add that to the long list of things that are going to keep me in the theater for this movie. So yeah. I'm so excited to see it. Cool. Yeah. So Rose, you you touched on you said um, the show Rain. Is that has anything to do with this story? Does it are like you said the Mary and Elizabeth, their characters in that show? Yeah, I haven't actually watched it, the recent seasons of it, but I think I watched the first couple seasons, and um, it hadn't dealt with uh, William dying yet, so the seasons I watched, Mary actually was in France, because she marries, I think his name is William, mm -hmm. um, she marries the king of, or the prince of France, and becomes queen of France, I believe, eventually, um, and then, yeah, and then I guess he dies. And then, yeah, I think that's when she kind of, it, it seems like this film is starting. So that's kind of like the turning point for her. And I actually didn't get to see her in the series, the Rain series, like at that place, because her uh, husband wasn't dead yet. 
Right. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it did happen. I just hadn't, I haven't caught up to that mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, like that, it, it would be super interesting for me to like even compare the series or just to see like how they portray Mary Queen of Scots because it seems like in both the TV series and this movie, she's portrayed as a very like strong woman character. So kind of they pick a really interesting point to like, I think focus on her because it seems like she's going to be going through turmoil with her husband dead and then her going back to her homeland. I think that's a really interesting place to begin a film. Yeah, for sure. So it seems like you know a little more about this subject than I do, at least from the historical <laughs> aspect. Yeah, I, I like British. I like British and historical, uh, you know, time periods, especially if it's like a uh, queen. <laughs> I think those are the most interesting to me personally. But. For sure. Yeah, and no, I completely agree. I mean. Growing up with two sisters and a mom who love that stuff, too, you learn to love it as well. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, looks like an epic uh, good time. Again, it feels like one of these, like, you know, Braveheart-style epic movies that we haven't seen in a long time. And so from that alone, I'm I'm really looking forward to this movie. And, you know, people are going to slip with like, oh, but it's like Braveheart with women. It's just like, forget all that. Don't make it political. It just looks like a great story. Who cares if the characters are female? Who cares if they're males? It doesn't matter. They're characters, and they, they're going to do great, I think. So someone's going to someone's gonna make it political. So not here. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our next story, number two. Probably the most exciting thing to come out this week for, for at least me, I, I'm pretty sure for Rose, too. Um, after months and debatably years, too, of speculating, it looks like Billy D. Williams will finally be returning as Lando Calrissian in Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, we, awesome. <laughs> which is fantastic, considering Han Solo's dead, Luke Skywalker's dead, and Leia is technically not dead, but Carrie Fisher's dead, so by default, Leia is dead. Um... So it it kind of leaves this gaping hole of, you know, that that legend character to help usher these characters along. And I personally, um, I'm of the opinion, actually, Rose, we haven't talked in a while about Last Jedi. I've kind of changed my opinion about a lot of things since we last talked. (laughs) Just just fair warning you. Um, So I'm a fan of Han Solo's death in the force awakens. I thought it was handled beautifully and it was a great send off for the character. Um, although Luke's was very beautiful and poetic, I'm not a fan of him being dead like at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, I think that was something we both agreed on in our, in our last Jedi review. Um, right. but I, also I just don't think that, uh, I've kind of changed my mind on at least his, his um, solution to helping the resistance at the end of the movie uh, and basically being there but not being there and like making his sacrifice, it was just kind of very conflicting. Um, and I feel like it would have been a lot more impactful if Luke was actually there on crate instead of projecting himself, even though it was set up really well. Um, I don't want to get into Last Jedi talk or review or anything like that, but. Um, basically what I'm getting at is I'm not a huge fan of them killing off Luke and, you know, I'm upset that we're not going to see Carrie Fisher again, uh, at least not played by, I'm upset we're not going to see Leia again, at least played by Carrie Fisher, if at all. Mm -hmm. But so 
I would have rather have seen Luke stick around for at least this last movie. Uh, and, I, and, you know, there's still a chance he'll come back as a Force ghost. I still believe that's definitely going to happen, no doubt in my mind. But it, it's still upset. I'm still kind of upset that it feels like Lucasfilm has been using these films to, like, focus on one legendary character, then kill them off. And I don't want that to be, like, the, the, like the crux of these films. I want them to be remembered for, you know, ushering in a new generation, but still remembering those old characters, because I got into a huge debate about this the other day. The reason why, uh, at least me personally, I care about the saga films and the main Star Wars movies is because of the Skywalkers. It's this mm-hmm. this six to nine uh, family soap opera set in space, and it's about the Skywalkers and their extended family and their, you know, the the Han Solo marrying a Skywalker and, and you know, all, then having a kid and then that kid causing a muck. It's like the Skywalkers are always the ones causing a muck in the galaxy. And so that's why I am invested in these saga films. I, I really am kind of worried about a future without a Skywalker or at least continuing that bloodline into debatably episode 10, 11, 12. Um, so I'm getting off topic completely, but the point is seeing them bring back another legendary character like Lando um, is really, really uh, a plus for me because, you know, a lot of people ha- have not had a great response to The Last Jedi. Some people hated Solo. Some people kind of liked Solo, but it wasn't enough to, like, you know, get people excited about Star Wars again. And so I think... I think episode nine is really going to be a an opportunity for people to get excited about Star Wars again. You're going to see Lando back in action. It's going to tie up kind of um, this new trilogy and uh, you know tie back to older films and even the prequels. I'm hearing uh, so this just adds to the uh, excitement that I have for episode nine. Uh, Rose, you know. Obviously, you're a big Star Wars fan. What are, what are your thoughts on this news? And what was your first reaction when you heard that Lando was going to be back officially? Yeah, I was I was really excited because I agree with you. It just seems like we are losing old characters and old cast. And I think, like you said, we are invested in the you know the Skywalkers. And for me, it, it extends to old characters too. You know, I'm automatically excited more when I see an old character that I have already met and I already love. You know, than someone I. You know, if, if you introduce someone new, I think I have to be, I'm a little bit more skeptical, I guess, or I have to be won over by that new character, whereas to me, if you bring back a good old character, I'm more willing to, like, accept them <laughs> and have a good time. So. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's not just, like, I don't know, some people might interpret this as, you know, I, I just, like I said, I, I got into a huge debate about why the Star Wars franchise needs the Skywalkers to stick around, or why... You know, some people was questioning, like, oh, why do you think that, that the Skywalkers need to justify a saga film? It's like, it's just my opinion, bro. Don't get worked up. <laughs> but, um, anyways, it, and they were immediately questioning, like, are you saying that just because you're afraid of change and you just want to feel comfortable in old characters? It's like, well, not, not no. I mean, I love these characters. I love Han and Leia and Luke and Lando. But it's not just out of, you know, discomfort that I want to keep them around. It's, it's because they're great characters and, you know, they're the ones that we're invested in. And you, you said it perfectly, Rose. Like, introducing a new character, I'm not immediately turned off, but I'm, I'm not, like, going to just 
go for it. Like, you know, there are some characters in The Last Jedi that should have been super memorable and super um, quotable and just, you know, should have stuck with us. Like, say, like for example, um, uh, oh gosh, who was the lady with the pink hair? What was her name again? The, the new... Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Was it Haldo? Yeah. Vice Admiral Haldo? I think it was Haldo. Anyways, played yeah, by... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold, okay, Haldo. Yeah, played by Laura Dern. She did a great job. But, you know, people have issues with the things she did and the choices she made in that movie. And she's kind of, unfortunately, a somewhat revered character. And even look at, you know, what's happening to poor Kelly Marie Tran. She was, you know, kind of lined up to be like that fourth... Uh, member of the the trio like Lando and people are bullying her on Instagram and and just harassing her with such mean nasty things and regardless of whether you liked her performance or not you know that that behavior is just completely um, completely unnecessary and you know if you condone anything like that you know shame on you regardless of whether she did a great job or not in your opinion uh, she's still a person and it's just the point is she became sort of a these characters became a point of conflict for fans and they weren't as memorable as say you know as Ray and Finn and and Poe Dameron are uh you know they didn't have that they, they haven't gotten that status of like you know these are the characters we're following we love them we care about them and we're invested in them uh you know we got lucky with you know J.J. Abrams ushering in these new characters because he's such a phenomenal director which you know again adds to why he's such he's such a great choice to do episode nine. Obviously, because if you want to close this out good, you want to you know you get J.J. Abrams, <laughs> even though they never were going to get him initially. You know, it was always going to be the director of Jurassic World. But he just you know to me, I love J.J. Abrams and all his work. So he just seems like the natural choice to properly close out this trilogy and and fix debatably fix whatever Ryan Johnson broke, if you even want to call it that. Um, but again, you know, to Lando, uh, obviously we saw Lando in, um, Solo, played by, uh, played by Donald Glover, who, you know, I think did a phenomenal job. I mean, there were times when I, I thought he was, like, dubbed over by a younger Billy D. Williams because he sounded so much like, uh, Lando from back in the day. It was, it was incredible. And he, he did a great job at recapturing the spirit, the movements, and just the, the coolness of Lando uh, to the point where I'd love to see, you know, another movie with Han Solo and Lando, but you know, we'll get into that with our solo review, which what we're doing today. Um, But yeah, I I, I cannot wait to see what role he has in this movie. I hope it's not just like a one-off, like we see him in a bar and then, then he's gone. Like, I hope it's like, you know, what happened with Han or Luke or Leia that they are helping the resistance and they're sticking around for the entire movie. And I hopefully this isn't an opportunity to kill Lando too. Like I would hate that. <laughs> um, I guess I guess another addition to this is um, Carrie Russell was also signed on for Star Wars Episode Nine, who is a uh, frequent collaborator with J.J. Abrams. She's in that show, The Americans, which just which just ended uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, she's known for a lot of other great movies. Uh, she was in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, did you hear about this, Rose? Carrie Russell? Yeah, they don't know her role yet, though, do they? It's it's or... being kept under wraps, yeah, for okay, sure. Okay, that's what, yeah, I heard it was, like, supposed to be action involved, but I, I don't 
know what that means. Yeah, I mean, based so, based on that, though, what are your theories about who she could be playing with? Do you think she could be playing like somebody from the 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 books that are not canon anymore, or a character that's already been established, or a brand new character? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I mean, I honestly, I have no idea, because um, I I'm not, I don't read as much, I don't read a ton of Star Wars books, so I'm not sure if I don't know how like closely that Disney is following like Star Wars lore even. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you probably have better guesses than I would on that. Yeah, well, so my theory, I have a couple of theories. One is that she's playing Mara Jade, who, uh, did you ever read the uh, the original 7, 8, 9 books? Um, like Heir to the Empire? No, I, have, I haven't. I have one of them that I have not read yet. Right? Mm, I'll have to lend them to you sometime. <laughs> Um, but so in the Legends books, there are two big characters that people love. One is Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is this blue-skinned alien who was in uh, the Clone Wars or the Rebels series. Sorry, they they brought him back into prominence in the canon universe. And another character that people want to have come back is Mara Jade, who in the books becomes Luke's wife, uh, who they have a kid with, and that kid becomes Ben Skywalker. <laughs> Not like I predicted, but whatever. Anyways, so she could be uh, this long-lost uh, lover or wife to Luke Skywalker that we've never heard about, and it could be a connection to Luke. Or I'm thinking she's uh, part of the First Order, and maybe she's actually at one of the Knights of Ren. Maybe even, like, the leader friend of the Knights of Ren while Kylo Ren has been away. Because we still need to know what's up with the Knights of Ren. I, that's one thing I, I'm dying to know about. And then my last theory, and this is kind of a, a dumb theory, but I, I still think there's validity to it, is that she's playing Rey's mom. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I, just don't th- I just don't buy into the idea that her parents are nobody. I can't buy into that. And I, I don't either, but then that makes, like, a whole can of worms come out, because then you're like, okay, well, you know, if, if there aren't nobodies, then, you know, who are they? Like, for sure, we're not, yeah. We're not happy with that answer. Yeah, exactly, that, that's exactly the point. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's a sufficient answer for sure, but it was presented in a very unsatisfying way. Um, right, and by Kylo Ren, too, so. And by Kylo Ren, so I, I'm of the opinion that he lied. And that her yeah, parents yeah. are, like, super significant. Uh, or, you know, one of my friends keeps t- saying, like, oh, I bet you she's still Luke and, or not Luke, uh, Han and Leia's kid, and he's trying to hide that. And it's like, at this point, if that's true, that'd be cool. But at this point, it's kind of far-fetched theory. Yeah. I think I think if she is the Force and, like, Leia has a Force, like, because they had some really sweet moments with one another, I feel like they would feel, like, connect with one another in that kind of way, you know, like, if they were, if that was her mother, so. For sure. Also, you'd think that she would, one of them or both of them would say something at this point in the, in the story. Right. Like, we're two movies in and they haven't, if they were her parents, they didn't say anything. <laughs> right. And I still wonder back to that sequence in, um, episode seven where, like, Ray goes into the, like, what the area is called, but basically she sees kind of like flashbacks of herself as like a child. Oh yeah, and the force flashback. Captivates me because I feel like we still haven't really got any of those answers. Like the images we saw wasn't none of it was really fully answered, other than Kylo Ren's like 
parents were no one statement. So yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, I think that's that sort of goes to show the frustration of fans with the Last Jedi is the fact that J.J. Abrams set up so much, and he, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson chose to go his own path, which I have to respect as a filmmaker for sure. I think Star Wars The Last Jedi is still a great movie, just not a great Star Wars movie, but you have to, when you're in this type of franchise, you have to consider everything that's become before and everything that you're going to usher in, and I just don't think he considered that. I mean, we, we could go into, we, we, we should do like a re-review of The Last Jedi, because it seems like both our opinions have changed since December when we reviewed The Last Jedi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> At least my hash significantly. I'll tell you about it later off air. But um, yeah, so long story short, Lando, uh, Billy D. Williams is back as Lando Calrissian, and Carrie Russell is cast as an unknown role. Who she's playing, we will find out eventually. All right, and our last top three story is um, one I haven't really talked about on, on my podcast or anything like that, but I, I, I need to get my thoughts out, so... Um, so there's another Joker movie. No, no, there's multiple Joker movies in the works, and one of them is this weird one-off, uh, solo universe without Bat- without the Batman that we see in the DC movies, uh, without Jared Leto's Joker. It's like a new one-off movie with Joker, and it's been officially confirmed uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who you guys mo- might know from Inherent Vice or The Master, um, he was just in You Were Never Really Here, movie came out this year. Uh, he's been officially cast to play the Joker, the Batman villain. So, my official opinion is this. I hate everything DC is doing. I hated Justice League. <laughs> I hated Batman v Superman. And I'm I'm optimistic about their future, but this until I see something, I'm still not happy with what they're doing. And I was just beyond frustrated that they had this idea to come up with a solo Joker movie when they already had a new Joker. And that but then you tell me that Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. Uh suddenly I am not as pissed off anymore. <laughs> because I personally love Joaquin Phoenix. He is one of the greatest working actors today. Um, every movie he's in, he just commits 110%. He's so meticulous and and careful about the projects he chooses, um, and he nails it every time. He was almost going to be uh, Doctor Strange until uh, they gave the role to Benedict Cumberbatch, which, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is phenomenal, but uh, it would have been interesting to see Joaquin Phoenix as Doctor Strange. Uh, but this movie is directed by... The Hangover director, uh, Todd Phillips, not the most renowned name. <laughs> um, let's see. He co-wrote the script with Scott Silver. The film was rumored to be produced by Martin Scorsese, but it's not anymore. But it's rumored to have that sort of uh, taxi driver, casino, Martin Scorsese feel to it, which would make sense. It you know, given Joker is a crime boss, it would make sense. But, um, yeah, so the point of this story is that it's officially happening and filming begins uh, in the fall of this year. So, to that end, I'm excited only because Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. 
but I'm not a fan of multiple Joker movies. We're already getting like a solo Joker movie with Jared Leto's character, which I couldn't care less about. And then like several other Joker, Harley Quinn spinoffs that just hurt my brain. <laughs> uh, Rose, I don't know how uh, how much you know about the DC films and their current state and what they're working on right now, but uh, just hearing this story, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, you're right. I don't have a ton of knowledge about the DC world. All my like knowledge, I guess, comes from watching your podcast. <laughs> but, well, <probably laughs> at least somebody watches that. it. <laughs> Hold on, what? No, I said at least somebody watches it for that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, from what you talked about, it, it seems pretty messed up. And just from reading the like article about it, I was like, okay, so there's two different people playing the same character in two different movies that are standalone movies. Yeah. Which, like, during the same, probably within a couple of years of each other, I'm assuming. So I was like, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> like, I couldn't think of any other, like, films that I've ever watched that would do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, that was a little concerning to me. But other than that, I really don't know much about the DC world. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so the DC universe has been trying to catch up with Marvel, um, obviously, they had a yeah. big year Marvel with Avengers Infinity War, which was like the crux of everything they've been building up to. Um, right. And DC's kind of attempt at that was haphazardly putting together Justice League, which was a complete mess of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're trying to course correct. They're making, they're focusing on their solo characters. So like Aquaman is coming out next year. Uh, Wonder Woman 2 is coming out next year. Uh, there's a Shazam movie. This is probably going to come out next year as well, uh, this Joker movie. And they have several other Harley Quinn, Joker, Batman films in the works. Um, just the thing that really gets confuses me and frustrates me is um, just, yeah, the fact that it's two different Jokers, and you're going to confuse a lot of audiences because people are going to think, oh, is Daralito out? Is this our new Joker? What's What's going on? And... As frustrating as that is, to another end, I can see where this is going to be a good thing. Because um, DC is really in competition with Marvel. And mm-hmm. I think the way that DC's logic, I think, at this point is the way we combat that is not to do what Marvel's doing. Instead, do our own thing. So this is this movie is set up as a one-off film. There's not going to be a Joker 2 or Joker 3 with Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. It's going to be one movie showing the origin of the character and uh, and that's it. So it's kind of like they're setting up this new universe in DC where they can tell contained stories about specific characters that don't connect to uh, the Justice League or Batman v Superman or anything else that came before it. So it's basically in, it's in its own bubble and it doesn't have to worry about connecting to those films. Right. Um, I have a question. Do they know like how the the film with Jared Leto how that's gonna be different than like the Joaquin one? So, if so they're both like a Joker movie, do they have like a different tone to them or like a different storyline, or are they not sure yet? They're not. I don't think they're sure because they they just announced okay. a Jared Leto Joker movie, which honestly I I don't know if you've seen Suicide Squad, but I hated the Joker in that movie, and I don't mm-hmm. want to see. I, I don't I don't care about a solo. Joker movie within the DC cinematic universe. Okay. Uh, I think it's completely redundant, unnecessary. They're giving they're giving like spinoffs to characters who don't need that type of attention. 
right. uh, or that type of movie. Um, I'm completely content with a Joker Joaquin Phoenix movie because it's it got a different tone to it, obviously. But uh, the character presented in Suicide Squad was just weird and and odd and strange, and I just don't care for it. <laughs> okay. But um, so yeah, I guess just to one end, it could really benefit them DC for trying to do a different direction and um, doing these one-off adventures while still building the cinematic universe on another end, but these films don't have to worry about that, and they can hire very distinct directors that can have the creative freedom to do what they want with the project. And then those who want to have their hand at the bigger cinematic universe and connecting, you know, whatever they do, or Justice League 2, whatever, you know, those directors have that option. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was interesting to dive into, just given the nature of DC. Um, And just, you know, again, Joaquin Phoenix is a phenomenal actor and if he wasn't attached to this I'd probably still be really bitter about this but because he's playing the Joker because he's attached in some capacity uh, I'm more inclined to at least give this you know give this the benefit of the doubt and say let's wait and see what happens so Mm -hmm. we will wait and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) all right so that was our top three stories again that was uh, the first trailer for Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, Billy D. Williams set to return as Lando in Star Wars 9. And Joaquin Fe- Phoenix is officially confirmed to be playing the Joker in a new Joker spinoff movie. And now we get on to our topic of the week, the reason why we are here, which is to review the uh, summer blockbuster, question mark, solo a Star Wars story. Uh, so you guys, you guys know, those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, Rose and I are big Star Wars fans. We have reviewed not every Star Wars movie that's come out. No, we, I think it's been since like episode seven, so like episode seven, eight, um, did we, Rogue One. Did we review those two together, R- Rogue One or episode I, seven? I don't think we did. Really? Oh, we didn't? <laughs> I think we, I think we started reviewing stuff together in um when, when the last jedi came out that was the first one we uh, did together well no we did rogue one together i know that oh no no i'm sorry you're right we did do rogue one together that was the first okay. one we did yeah is that the first one okay yeah that was oh my gosh that was so long ago <laughs> look I at know, i'm like i don't clearly remember either <laughs> yeah look where we are now <laughs> yeah wow all right <laughs> so Quite the journey indeed. We're four films into Disney's reign of Star Wars, and it's been it's been good. But I think right now we're having some trouble in paradise. Um, so you know we had Force Awakens, which I think is Disney's best Star Wars film, and and nothing has really been able to top it. Rogue One I thought was okay, good-ish, not terrible, but uh, definitely better than what's come after. Uh, Last Jedi. Uh, you know, I've already said it's, it's, I think it's a good Star Wars, it's a good movie, just not a good Star Wars movie. Uh, and then, now we're at Solo, another, our second spinoff movie. And, um, you know what, Rose, I want to pass it to you, and, uh, let's just start with the things that we liked. What's, um, like, s- name one thing that you liked from the movie. Sure. Um, okay, <laughs> so this is kind of like a small thing, I guess, but... I never really thought about the name Han Solo, and I really, like, enjoyed how the movie gave us, like, the origin of his name. Um, in that moment when he, like, is being recruited, or he goes up to the, like, Imperial Navy, and he's like, 
you know, who, where, you know, who are you with or whatever. He's like, I'm by myself. And then he, like, says solo. <laughs> and that's kind of his name from there on out, I guess. Hmm. So I personally liked that. Maybe that was just a fan kind of thing or, like, a small pleasure kind of thing. But I just, I liked having that little small detail in there. That's interesting because I actually hated that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, I thought it was very... I'm, um... I hate to start negative, but (laughs) I think, um, you see the first time I saw it, I wasn't, I was very taken aback. It's like, really? That's how he got his name. Some schmuck gave it to him in an assembly line. Like he's like, Oh, I'm going to be clever Han solo. (laughs) Uh Um, but then I saw a second time with my brother and it didn't bother me as much, but I don't know. It's like when it when I left the theater and I thought about it, it bugged me. But then when I saw it again, I didn't have a problem with it. And then when I left the theater again, it, it bugged me again. So I'm not sure where I stand with it. Okay. I I don't hate it. It's not a terrible. Okay. It's not terrible, and it's kind of funny. It makes sense, you know. If he didn't actually get his birth name, his birth name's not Solo, but um, right. it just didn't feel as uh. I don't know is impactful, you know. I, it's right. like it, it, it yeah. kind of just like kind of brushed like, oh yeah, his name's Han Solo. It's, it's almost it's almost kind of felt like when they were writing the script, it was like, oh, we have to figure out how he gets his name, yeah. and just like, oh he oh he the guy calls him Solo. Okay, check that off. Now what else do we have to fill into this movie to explain things? It didn't feel um, earned, or it didn't feel like authentic. authentic. Yeah, or like you know, I, I thought the the name was gonna be something where it's like. Maybe he has to, like, embrace his name or embrace who he is. And, you know, he has a hard time accepting the name Solo, maybe because of, like, his family and, like, what the Solos are associated with. He's like, I don't want to be associated with the Solo, so I'm just Han. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout the film, he learns to embrace the name Solo, and that's how he becomes Han Solo. Um, And, you know, I'm getting very specific, and, you know, it's my filmmaker intuition taking over. Yeah, but I, I think you're right in the sense of talking about maybe that moment wasn't a moment for me of, like, kind of forced storyline or, like, forced, like, they, oh, they felt like they needed to get that in. But I did feel like there were other parts in the film that were very, like, okay, we, we the audience is expecting this or, like, it's something that they want, so we're, like, checking box off, like, boxes off. So, like, we yeah. to, like, fulfill these requirements. So I do kind of agree with you in the sense there were some kind of like less than authentic moments in the film so I guess that wasn't one of them for me but yeah no that's fine that's fine I I welcome disagreements and you know that's the great thing about reviewing movies is that we can we can agree and disagree on certain things and we don't have to be enemies at the end right (laughs) (laughs) because uh fear is the path to the dark side fear leads to anger anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering so we're not going to suffer in each other's fear of each other's opinions, so... Ba-boom. <laughs> um, so interesting, yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you like that, but for some reason, it, there's something about it just doesn't jive with me. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say something that I really liked. Um, the, the big thing for me going into this movie was is if Alden Ehrenreich is going to pull off Han Solo, and I personally oh, think yeah. he absolutely pulled it off. He, oh, really? <laughs> I think he, he got some, I feel like we're disagreeing on this one. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say, I'll, well, I'll let you talk. 
Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get my thoughts on then you can say. Um, <clears throat> I think he, he did a great job of getting some of Harrison Ford's mannerisms down while not, you know, beat for beat. You know, he didn't do a, Har- a Harrison Ford impression. He did a Han Solo impression. He he made it his own, um, and I feel, I feel like he really tried to study, like, the mannerisms of Harrison Ford or Han Solo, um, and the voice just felt very, you know, very natural. Didn't feel like, oh, he's trying to do a... Han Solo, imp- I, that's my terrible Han Solo impression, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I never felt like I was watching a different character, or watching, um, you know, Jerry Solo, or something like that, I, it always felt like Han Solo, I didn't ever, I didn't ever get taken out of the movie, like, oh man, Alden Ehrlich is just sucking as Han Solo, I, mm-hmm. I was completely, into him as as the character and enough to where I'd, I'd love to see him again. Uh, Rose, what'd you think? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I agree. Once I got over the fact, like I had to, like my mind was the first like I don't know, fifteen minutes of the film. I was like, oh, he doesn't like look exactly like Han Solo or Harrison Ford as Han Solo, I guess. And I guess there was there was that just disconnect for me, which kind of the first couple sequences of the you know, the film, I was like, oh, gosh, like, this is going to be a long movie if I can't get over the fact that, mm. you know, like, Harrison Ford is awesome as Han Solo, but you have to, like, give this other person a chance. <laughs> um, but once I got over kind of that, like, okay, this is Han Solo, like, clearly, it's, it, it, you know, you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to be able to do an impression of, like, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, and you might not even want that to be, you know, that way. But once I kind of got over that, I, I think I did enjoy his um, character as Han Solo, so. Mm-hmm. So y- you was, were... I, I got wrapped into it as the movie went, I guess. Gotcha. So so you came in with a very clear um, idea of, like, who Han Solo was. You were still kind of stuck in that, that like, Harrison Ford mindset of yeah. that being... And, that, and that's totally fine. That's not that's not a criticism or anything. That's just... <laughs> You know, I, a lot of people kind of came into the theater with that, and I just kind of knew, like, look, this kid's not going to be Harrison Ford, and he never will be, uh, so no right. point in getting upset about it. But you know, I can right. I can completely understand why you'd want it. You'd come in with still that perception because it's fair to still at least compare his performance to right. Harrison Ford because he's obviously the one who started it. You know, if you can't right. match that performance or at least come close to it, then yeah, you're not going to get anywhere with right. the movie. And Harrison Ford has such a like a charm to him that I, well I do think um he what, is it Aiden or how do you pronounce it? Alden. Alden. Okay, thank you. I was like I can tell him my notes was with an L or an I. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Alden. Yeah, like I thought he did have a charm too. It was just a more subtle charm, and I don't think he was as cynical maybe as like Harrison Ford is. Um, Han Solo, and I mean, he is younger, so his personality, I think, is a little different. Mm -hmm. So I think just kind of getting over that, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Well, yeah, it seems like we're kind of on the same page. Yeah, yeah, we are. It definitely, it seems like it took a little bit for you to warm up to him being Han Solo, whereas I guess I was a little more um, welcoming of him being Han Solo. (laughs) Um, so what else What else on your list do you have of things that you liked about the movie? Um, I really liked, like, the ending, and particularly the, like, plot twist. Like, I didn't, I honestly, I'm pretty good at, like, knowing who to side with or, like, who's going to double-cross whom, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Uh-huh. And I actually got to the end of the film, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, there was, like, two minutes. I was like, okay, wait. Like, so, um, you know, like, Toby is Beckett, you know, Woody Harrelson's character. I was like, wait, is, is he, you know, is he on Han Solo's side? And he already, like, kind of warns him earlier, but you don't know if he's kind of, like, joking. And then, of course, like, the biggest character to me I wasn't sure about was Kira, um, played by Emilia Clark. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amelia Clark. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed her character throughout. And I liked it in the sense I think the women we see in Star Wars are either powerful, good leaders, or um, kind of gentle mother characters. Or like, they're not. I don't think uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember seeing ever like a, a, a woman, a bad, or kind of a in between, uh, death in the gray kind of like, woman in terms of, like, good or bad, really, um, playing a prominent role. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. So I really liked that change of pace for her, so. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, I, when the doors open and they reveal that Tobias was the one who um, betrayed Han and, and Kira and Chewie, I honestly thought for a second, oh, it's going to be Boba Fett. Boba Fett's going to walk through that door, going to blow our minds, and it, w- it wasn't. Like, I have another, uh, you know, plug or bounty hunter or whatever that's, that's been helping me out, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's Boba Fett, this is how it all starts, and it wasn't. But it's fine, it's fine. It didn't ruin the movie or anything, but, you know, it was definitely much more um, shocking to know it was someone that Han trusted. And actually, funny story, I made the terrible mistake of not going to the bathroom before I saw the movie for the first time. So I had to pee really bad, and I held it in for so long. And I, I, I was trying to guess, like, okay, there has to be some, like, lull, like some moment that just, like, is so right. insignificant that I can run out of the movie, pee, and come back. And right. it was the scene, I chose to walk out on the scene where uh, Tobias was like, hey, there's a, a big shot gangster on Tatooine, I'm going to go visit him, you should come out. And, like, he was leaving the group. So I, I didn't know he had left. When I came back, I just thought that, like, he was still part of the plan and that he had just sort of, um, he just kind of, you know, stopped following orders from them and did his own thing. And then, you know, I saw it again with Victor and I was like, oh, oh, wow, that's a really important thing. He mentions Tatooine and Jabba the Hutt, or at least references them. And then he actually, like, leaves. I had no idea. (laughs) So that's why, I guess that's why it's so impactful then. Um, but yeah, I loved, uh, Woody Harrelson as, as Beckett. He, I thought he was great. Uh, and then yeah, uh, Amelia Clark as Kira. A lot of people are bashing on her, but I, I didn't hate her. I don't, I don't think she was super memorable as a character, but I don't think she was terrible in any sense of the word. Like I thought she was, you know, phenomenal. And yeah, I guess yeah. now that you mention it, she is kind of this, the, one of the first Star Wars female characters to kind of be in the gray, you know, like. Uh, Jin Erso is very, you know, she's a soldier. She fights for herself, but learns to fight for the rebellion. Leia is obviously, you know, morally just, fights for the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Rey, a Jedi, obviously. Um, I guess we can say Rose. Uh, you know, yeah. All the all the females have like a clear stance of where they where they stand. Whereas Kira is definitely in the gray. And and mm-hmm. honestly, you know like Han is just trying to survive, you know, she, she cares about Han, but she's just trying to survive and appease her master so she can live to fight another day. 
Um, right. Speaking of her master, it's Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> That's that was insane. I I about I about lost my crap when I saw that scene because I I did not expect to see him in the movie at all. He was the least of my concern. It's just like it just totally came out of left field. And I remember you texting me. Yeah, and because so, you had you were very you were very confused about what was going on. I was. I was like, "What's happening?" I was super shocked too. I was like, "What? Isn't Darth Maul dead?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a lot of people's responses, but um, you know, if you look into the lore, you find out that he actually survived through the Clone Wars and through um, the Rebel series, which I guess this takes place before the Rebel series, um, but that he was very much alive with robot legs and everything still causing a muck and uh just knowing just adding that little little nugget to uh the story and just showing that he's still out there and kind of bring him into the li- like acknowledging the clone wars show and bringing that into live action was really cool uh the only problem i have with it is um they they put him in there they wrote that scene not knowing who was going to be the mob boss. Um, and so it, they, it, I'm not going to say that they shoehorned in Darth Maul, but um, it, just knowing that they didn't have a concrete plan of like, this is who we're going to use, this is who we're going to write into the scene, kind of kills the vibe because then you don't know if they actually have plans for him in the future of, of the Star Wars movies or if it was just sort of this... Like, oh, we need Darth Maul. People love Darth Maul. Put Darth Maul in the movie. Right. So. They, if he's in the lore and everything, do they say how, like, Darth Maul dies? Or is Darth Maul still technically, like, alive and well somewhere? Yeah. Because you, know, you don't hear about him, like, later on, really, do you? I, I mean, you really have to watch the, the animated shows to really okay. understand that. But I will say that they defend him being alive by saying he was he was cut in half. He wasn't killed. <laughs> Because the next time you see him in the Clone Wars, he is stuck on this like trash planet, and he's got these weird cybernetic spider legs, and he's just like been driven to insanity because of Obi Wan uh, and him, you know, defeating him, and he's sort of driven throughout the entire series till the till his death in uh, Rebels by um, revenge and wanting to get revenge mm-hmm. on Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's like his main motive throughout the rest of the, sh- of the show. Mm-hmm. And they and they do it really well. Like, if you ever get around to watching that, sh- that series. Yeah, I, it's definitely on my to-watch list. For sure, to yeah. More TV. <laughs> Something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, great stuff in that. Yeah, Kira, Beckett, uh, Darth Maul. Uh, all pretty good stuff. Um other characters that I liked, uh, obviously Chewbacca is great in everything he does. I wanted to see a little more of him, and I wanted them to focus a little bit more on the relationship between Han and Chewie, make that yeah. the crux yeah. of the movie as opposed to him and Kira, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Dryden Voss, who was played by, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name for some reason, Paul Bettany. Uh, weird seeing Paul Bettany in uh, Star Wars right after seeing him in Avengers uh, and doing the things he does in Avengers. Uh, But I thought he did a great job. It was kind of interesting that he was recast when they were doing the whole uh, filmmaker swap up, you know, when the directors were fired from 
the original version of this movie, and as a result, his character was brought in, and they had to reshoot all the scenes with the initial actor. Uh, oh, wow. uh, yeah, big. I don't. I don't remember who the main actor was or the original actor was, but I remember it was different character with a different vibe, and I I liked I liked this. I liked this change. I don't know what the other version would have looked like, but this definitely felt like Star Wars, and he was a great villain. It's kind of a shame that he's dead. I would have liked yeah. to have seen him uh, continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any thoughts on Dryden Voss or Lant or Chewbacca? Um, well, I guess I don't know how much we want to say, but um, we can we can spoil things. It's fine. Like, I guess, what, what did you think about that? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I guess I was going to say that for the things that I didn't like. Okay, but... so then we can say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but, um, other than that, no, I agree, I agree with the Dryden. That Dryden was a good, um, like, villain, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Um, also, I think we already mentioned it earlier on, but Lando, played by Donald Glover, easily, like, the best thing in this entire movie. Uh, yeah, you know. I agree. I had no problem transitioning from old Lando to new Lando. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Very, like, smooth transition. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of capitalizes on Donald Glover, the person. Uh, You know, he's had such, like, tremendous success in the past, uh, like, three months. He had, uh, you know, his new show Atlanta come out, which, with great reviews. He's getting a lot of more offers, debatably, with Lando being, like, his breakout role uh, for people, for most people knowing who he is. And then, you know, whether you like it or not, uh, his song, This Is America, is one of the most watched music videos um, for a time. Uh, you know, I have issues with it, but whatever. It's still a, you know, a very interesting art piece and very, uh, you know, widely watched music video. <laughs> um, but yes, focusing on Lando specifically, he does such a great job with the performance, uh, with the capturing the, the look the likeness, the personality, the tone in his voice, uh, just the coolness and just the the uh, just the charm of Lando, really. And um, you know, every every scene he's in, he kind of almost kind of steals the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely. When you first meet Lando in like episode five, like when Lando um, when Han, you know, lands on his the Cloud City and he kind of walks out, you get this automatic for Lando, I think, like, really instantly to me. And for I sure. think Donald Glover captured that, like, perfectly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, the the Falcon, the Millennium Falcon, I thought was, was cool. I, I liked <laughs> the new refurbished look of the Falcon, like, in its prime. Um, it kind of broke my heart to see it get torn to shreds by the end of the Kessel Run, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's how it looks going forward. So whatever, but right. I know there was just something really cool about that look and that design, and seeing the 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 ship in its in its prime. And then you know you get the eject the uh, ejector pod or the escape pod launch, and then you get back to the original uh, Lenny Falcon we all know and love. But um, seeing the old Falcon was uh, was cool. I, I liked the design. What did you think of the design? Yeah, I agree, and I'm I'm really glad too. Uh, when he like that like plays like game with like Lando or the makes the gambling, I guess I makes the gambling. That's not a phrase, but right. <laughs> you know, 
Um, I'm really, really glad that he didn't lose his ship on the first time because I, like, as soon as I saw that sequence, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I know what's going to happen because, like, we know that information. Like, Oh, right. Died. So I was kind of like, oh, gosh, this is going to be predictable, right? But I, I'm glad they, they, you know, had him go back and play another game with yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Like, cause, cause then they set up the fact that Lando was cheating, and you right. know, it it really like emphasizes that line where we see in the Empire Strikes Back where Han's like, you know, hey, remember, you lost her to me fair and square, uh, right, and right. it just kind of it connects so well. And like, that's probably yeah. one of the best scenes in the entire movie is that end poker scene or or gambling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, game with Han and, and Lando. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Some of the action sequences I thought were really great. I love the opening mm-hmm. speeder chase. Thought that was so cool, and how the the spear they were using was modeled after a uh, like one of those like uh, Superbird race cars. Um, oh, I'm a big cool. fan of that design, so that was really cool. Um. The final fight between Han and Dryden Kira was really well done, really suspenseful. Mm, yeah. Who do you trust? Who do you not trust? I liked that. And yeah, that's um, my scene. yeah the train heist oh, was also kind of cool. Uh, I think you know there are other scenes that were cooler, but that's you know one of the more well done, well orchestrated scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kessel Run, uh, I didn't hate it. But it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be, and it didn't seem, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem all that important as Han Solo made it out to be. Like, you know, he he says like, "Oh, I did the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs." Like, but what does that mean? Right, <laughs> like, in right. terms of like, uh, does anybody even care? What does anybody even know what the Kessel Run is? Like, wh- who cares? Right. And it, it was kind of confusing as to what the Kessel Run was and how. Mm-hmm you know, how one does or executes the Kessel Run or have people right. have people tried the Kessel Run before and failed. So it was a kind of a jarring thing, but in terms of it just being a simple escape from Kessel, I, I thought it was entertaining. And uh, do you have any thoughts on Kessel or the Kessel Run? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it was just a bit confusing to me, but, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. For sure, Okay. Um, why don't we get into the stuff that we didn't like? So I'll, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I already, we already talked about the moment Han Solo, you know, him giving it his name. I didn't like that. Um, I think an overall note is that the story, actually, I'll say that for later at the end. Um, I, as much as I liked the action sequences, I don't think there were enough. Like I, I didn't. I don't think we got a lot of shots or scenes of Han Solo actually using his classic blaster. Oh, um, yeah, I agree. And you know, not not really getting that Western vibe to mm-hmm. it. It's definitely got a uh, a like heist Western vibe to it still. But you know, in terms of Han Solo being that like lone gunman, yeah, I kind of wanted a bit more, kinda, a bit more gunplay with with Han. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe have like a shootout. Uh, or another shootout, and not just the one where they they're escaping Kessel, uh, you know stuff like that. Right. Um, the one of the big things that I didn't like was I, I think I just already said this was that I didn't like how they focused on Han and Kira as the crux of the movie as opposed to Han and Chewie. Yeah. I feel like that should have been 
the um, the important relationship you follow throughout this film and, and Han Solo and Chewbacca maybe hating each other at the beginning of the movie and being forced to work with each other and becoming best friends and and close companions at the end of the movie and you know they, they kind of hint at that and they they do give Chewie a bit to do but um, I don't think they gave him nearly as much as um, you know Han or he doesn't have as much of a presence as say Kira um, I feel like there's a way to f- give Han and or Kira her due and also give uh, Chewie his due, but um, I really wish the story would have taken that approach as opposed to uh, Kira and Han. Yeah, I agree with that because I, I don't know, I kind of find it slightly problem- problematic that uh, a lot of Han's um, characteristics I think are kind of a outcome or a consequence of, of his relationship with Kira. For and sure. I, I don't really like that. <laughs> like, I, um, you know, just him wanting to spend most of the movie going back to her and just, I don't know, I just, I didn't... You didn't I, buy it? I just didn't feel like that was really characteristic of the Han we knew. Maybe this was, like, you know, he's changed over the years, but... For sure. Yeah, like, Han Solo seems more to me like of a bachelor, like, Chewie's his best friend, you know, he's kind of maybe a little bit of a womanizer. Like, I don't really see him being super attached to a girl but right what do i know <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah maybe we see in a sequel that you know that that was kind of building to that persona that he has he yeah. does care um and that he you know in that portrayal that that um kira does he learns not to trust women again or whatever and then you know when meeting right. leia it's the first woman that he's been able to you know have another connection with or something i don't know mm-hmm. but um yeah maybe we get closer to that womanizing um it's weird saying that. I hope people don't get offended by me saying, you know, I want Han to be a womanizer. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he has such a smooth charm about him. Yeah, like, like in, in terms of the consistency. Like he would be a little bit. Maybe not like a full out, like, you know. But like, I don't know. I just feel like he'd be good with a lady, so. Yeah, like it would be. he didn't have more like women characters or more like female friends or something, you know? Yeah, it would be a lot so. more characteristic of him. You know, it, it's in his character, in his nature, so. You know, yeah. hopefully, maybe in a Han Solo 2, we'll see that or something. Um, uh, why don't you go ahead and say something you didn't like about the movie, if anything? Yeah, well, kind of going back to that scene with um, Han and Chewie, I didn't really like it. I thought it was a little too reminiscent of, um, in episode 6, there's like a scene where Luke's in the pit, like Jabba, Jabba the Hutt, like throws Luke in a pit. Oh, yeah. I thought that was so reminiscent of that scene. It kind of turned me off because it felt like it wasn't original to Han and Chewie. It was more of a flashback or more of something we've seen already. And because I think Han and Chewie are such a dynamic, like, couple almost in that sense, you know, like friends, uh, you know, duo, um, I, I guess I wanted to see something unique from them or just some, like you said, some, you know, maybe more hardship of their relationship, maybe they're not, like you said, like friends at first and then they become friends, or just some, or the way they met just to be so dynamic, and I really didn't feel that with the way that Han and Chewie met, mm-hmm. so I don't know, yeah, they definitely. I think Han and Chewie have some great moments, but I, I'd have to, I wouldn't really have anything else to add to that except just I agree that yeah. again. Like I think we're both at the same point. Like the focus should have been on Han and Chewie, not Han and right. Kira. Like that's 
what you want to follow and not using Han, mm-hmm. not using Chewie as just like this cuddle bear or this comic relief, you know, using him as an actual character. Right. Um, and I'm interested to know, like, why does Han know? I don't know the, I don't know what the Chewbacca language is called, but like, how does Han know how to speak that? Like, yeah, that was kind of odd. A conversation with him right away. Like, that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of brings up a lot of things that could be answered in a sequel, because um, they haven't even addressed the life debt, right? Which is a huge thing. That's the reason why Chewie goes with Han um, and sticks around with him. So hopefully, um, you know, may, I think it may just be out of out of pure um, reliance or just you know them being together for so long that they stick together. But you know, maybe there's. A, I'm hoping we get a Han Solo too, and that we get a like a scene of maybe the, maybe the focus in that one is Han and Chewie, and and you know mm-hmm. th- that's where the life debt goes in, where you know maybe they want to go their separate ways, but Chewie wants to say commit, like you know Han saves Chewie's life again or something, and he you know initiates the life debt, something like right. that. Uh, well, but it sets it really nicely up because at the end of the movie they're going to Tatooine, so like that's like a perfect setup for having them just. Or, you know, life in oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, just the two of them. So yeah, no, I'd love to see uh, what more adventures. Uh, you know, as, as mixed as this movie is, I'd love to see more adventures with the two of them, and just kind of have like an Indiana Jones style Han Solo franchise within the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I didn't like was uh, L three, the droid. And the fact that we're just now mentioning her kind of, you know, goes to show how liked she is, at least to me. She's very annoying, and it seems like they're trying really hard to make another K2SO and make her this tough, badass droid. Um, and kind of, you know, the, the oppression stuff kind of got a little annoying. Like, you know, do you, you need anything? Uh, equal rights? Just shut up. No one cares. <laughs> It was it was kind of just this weird awkward thing, um, that like you know droids are don't need masters or whatever, and you know it's kind of a compelling idea for sure, um, but just you know it was like she was trying to be a badass for for just the sake of being a badass, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I particularly wasn't a fan of it. Uh, I don't know what what are your thoughts on L three Rose? Yeah, honestly, for me she wasn't really. Memorable. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I didn't really particularly dislike the whole, like, freeing their droids and everything. I, I didn't dislike that, but I also really didn't like that. It, it just was okay to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really have much of an opinion, I guess, either way. It was just, I guess, fun to movie. So it didn't really stick out to me. And I didn't really think it was essential to the plot line. So. Yeah, it just, I don't know, I, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, the. Yeah. the droid thing it was just kind of this thing I was like oh she's a droid social justice warrior mm-hmm. like what D- did Kathleen Kennedy request this specifically like does she want a social justice droid or something in the movie like what it, it was kind of jarring and confusing the whole thing and um, even her being like uploaded into the the Falcon's mainframe and being part of the ship which explains a lot going forward into the franchise for sure but like you know, you'd think that because it's like, you know, it's Han's ship and it's something sec- pivotal to Han owning the Falcon, you'd, you'd think that, um, you know, it'd be important to, like, 
if you're going to have the droid in there, make her have like a compelling relationship with Han Solo. So that going forward, their relationship with the Falcon seems more, uh, uh, not genuine, but like, um, you know, more like, more like, you know, romance or not romance, but I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but, um, you know, like, like Han, Han loves the ship and you'd think that, that her being uploaded into the mainframe. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. And I think that's another a criticism I had of the Falcon and all the scenes with the Falcon is that, um, you know, there wasn't really any, I didn't feel any special connection with Han and the Falcon. Like Han, like maybe Han grew up on one of these ships or Han used to own one of these ships or adored it or something. It was just kind of like, you know, oh, it's obvious the, sh- the Falcon belongs with me. Mm-hmm. That That's it. Like, you know, I wish there was a scene where like, Han kind of has like this genuine connection with the ship or you know some memory or I, I don't know something like that or just even admiring the ship like it doesn't you know like just being like kind of in awe of it I think would have been cool yeah and we get a bit of that but it's just kind of it's just kind of off the nose and you know I, I think that kind of I think I think um you, do you want to say anything else about what you didn't like oh um I guess I guess my other kind of this is a broad comment but, and I guess this kind of goes along with the issues they had with, like, directors and such. But mm-hmm. I I wanted it to be a little bit more out of the ordinary for Star Wars, considering it's, like, a spinoff. Like, I, I think they did still play a little too safe for me. Uh-huh. Um, and so I guess I would have liked to see more risks be taken. Because um, I feel like a lot of what we saw has been seen in other Star Wars movies or you know, they could have developed it further in, in a different way or maybe even further, like, a different genre. Like, I know they said it's, like, a Western. Yeah, like a Western I heist movie. I see moments of that. Like, uh, maybe a couple moments, but I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. That was yeah. my personal opinion. What did you think? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I think I think there were elements of that Western vibe, too, especially at the end when he's at the uh, <clears throat> the standoff with uh, with Tobias. I think that was probably the most Western moment in the entire film. But, yeah, I'd agree. I think I wanted to see a little more risks. And I actually, I actually, I think this movie did what I wanted Rogue One to do in the sense that it, even though it doesn't take enough risks, it still feels like a different Star Wars movie. It doesn't feel like the episodic films, but it doesn't feel completely out of the universe. Yeah, I agree. Whereas I think Rogue One relied too much on being a Star Wars movie. And I guess for, yeah. for for good reason, because it is kind of like this this um, unseen, like, it, it, is, it does fit very well in the saga films, and you could easily consider it a saga movie, but, um, you know, I wanted I wanted them to take risks um, genre-like, stylistically, thematically, and I, it just didn't. Whereas Han Solo, I feel like at least, if anything, it... it felt different and explored different weird aspects of the galaxy we haven't seen before and it, it hit it hit the it hit the nail on the head for what I want to see with the spin-off films like taking risks and and um, trying to be different than the saga films because that's what these spin-offs are all about and so if we stylistically do what the so- the solo film did I think the saga films will be in a good place mm-hmm. um was there something else you wanted to bring up? I remember there was something you said earlier that you wanted that we I said we should talk about in the stuff we didn't like. Oh, I think I 
Oh, okay. So you mentioned it. Okay, good. Yeah. I just want to make sure you got everything in. <laughs> um, okay, well, then let's uh, let's just wrap it up. Our final thoughts. Um, I will start by saying I, I agree with a lot of what you just said about the director switch up. I think you know we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that the director switch up was definitely a problem that they they solved the best way they could, but mm-hmm. um, I think the problem started. The moment they hired the the uh, Chris Phil Lord Chris Miller the original directors, and they didn't suspect there would be problems with that because they have a distinct style and they added their distinct style to the film. Whether it was a good idea to do that or not, that's another question. But the fact that they didn't know what they were what kind of film they were making until uh, Kathleen Kennedy that is the fact that she didn't realize what type of film they were making until. The, the, the decision to fire them halfway through shooting, that's kind of on Lucasfilm. And, you know, the, they again, they, they did the best job they could to clean it up. And, you know, they got a safe, decent movie. But this is Han Solo. This is like, you know, right. th- this is like the king of all Star Wars and cinematic characters. You don't want to just make a eh solo movie. You want to make a fantastic right. solo movie. And I, I don't know what, the uh, Lord and Miller's movie was going to be like, and I'm not going to even try to imagine if it was going to be better or worse than this. But given the reports, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do the things that they were doing on set, like improvising a lot of lines and just not making it feel like Star Wars in the wrong mm-hmm. sense. Because I know I just said like this, the films should these films should uh, the the spinoff solo Star Wars story should focus on trying to be different, but. Not too different, so it's a weird right. balance. But I'm not gonna even try to say that I know how to do it best. But um, you know, I, I think getting Ron Howard was a good choice. I think Ron Howard did a great job with what he had. Uh, Ron Howard, most of the time, never disappoints with his movies. I I love a lot of his work, and I respect him highly as a director. Like in terms of talking with actors um, and working with actors, he knows. He, he is such a master at that stuff, and I just have a huge amount of respect for him as a director. Um, and he came in to do a simple job, which was to correct and help improve some things that had went wrong on set. So uh, he did the job. He did a great movie. But at the end of the day, it's a decent Star Wars film. Uh, not terrible in any sense of the word, but not not what it should have been. And I think it's kind of bad. It was bad timing to release it so close to The Last Jedi, and I think it's a sign, just because it made such less money than previous films, it's a sign that Star Wars does not belong in summer. Not because it can't be profitable, but just because Star Wars made a mark in December, and it became this event. And in the summer, there's so much clou- clouding the, the ways. You got this month, last month alone, you had, uh, or two months ago, ago you had Avengers... Deadpool and Solo and then the week the months after you had Incredibles 2 you had Jurassic World you had so many big blockbuster films coming out that you know are, are unfortunately you're going to make more money and Star Wars probably would have if it was a good movie but it kind of wasn't so I feel like they would have done much better if they had put the movie or kept the movies in December and I think that's what they're going to do going forward is keep Star Wars in December because that's where it flourishes the most. That's just my opinion, though. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, 
it's a decent Star Wars film. Alden Ehrenreich pulls it off as Han Solo, and enough to make me want to see, like, again, I'd love to see a Solo 2, a Solo 3, like a trilogy of films leading up to the Han Solo we know in the Mos Eisley Cantina, uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of building up the lore, and, and you know, d- not necessarily focusing on addressing, you know, how Han got his name, or how Han got his pants, or stuff like that, like, you know, th- those are important details, sure, but, like, you know, focusing on furthering the character and his and his uh, story and his personality and who he becomes and why him and Chewie are so close, like, you know, those are the things I want the movies to focus on going forward if we get another uh, Han Solo movie, but, you know, it looks like we might not, given how they canceled all their um, saga films, so, or not saga films, or so, their uh, spinoff films, so, uh, for the time being, I don't know if we're going to bring them back, but... Um, Anyways, uh, Rose, what did you think? Final thoughts on Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I agreed what you said when it came to, like, competition. I think they had really stiff competition as far as, like, summer films. And I think because it wasn't marketed enough. Like, we talked about this film in December when we um, did our, like, December movie podcast. Um, and oh, I yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. About it. <laughs> like, I think that was the, the title announcement, if I'm not mistaken. Don't know. We haven't really seen much, and I, I, so I really do think that is part of why the film suffered, like competition and then marketing, and everyone kind of knew what was going on with like the director it situation. Um, but other than that, I honestly had a fun time watching the movie. I, I liked it in the sense it was a spinoff. I thought it was more fun maybe than the average like Star Wars movie, uh-huh. and maybe a little bit more like lighthearted in that sense. Like, it wasn't so much a good-evil battle that I think you get in the other Star Wars movies. It was kind of just, like, an adventure, and I, I really kind of enjoyed that aspect of it and tried to enjoy the characters and, you know, just the story itself and kind of being surprised. I really enjoyed not knowing at the end, like, who was on Han's side and who wasn't. So For sure. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add on the movie? or? I think that's it. Cool. Um, well, I think my rating uh, on Letterboxd, uh, which is a cool app you guys should check out, uh, if you like if you like logging movies, reviewing movies, and making lists of movies, which I love, <laughs> um, get Letterboxd. It's a great app. Um, yeah, we can call this a plug. <laughs> um, but I believe on Letterboxd I gave it a four-star review, and I'm going to keep that. I think four stars is good. Um, you know, I usually give that to movies that, you know, uh, impress me enough to, you know, I'd, I'd watch them again. Uh, you know, Rose, what would you say your, uh, rating would be like out of five stars? Mm, probably 3.5. 3.5. Okay. A little yeah. less, but so I liked it, but I don't know, like compared to the other Star Wars, at least, I don't know if I would, I would rewatch it, but I wouldn't rewatch it, rewatch it, like continually rewatch it compared to some of the other Star Wars films. So. Gotcha. Yeah. For sure. Uh, okay, well, that's our review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, it's it's unfortunate, but looks like, um, unless Rose and I do something else in the future, looks like the next time we'll be able to review a Star Wars film won't be until December of next year, 2019, oh, yeah. when we review Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, but, you know, I'm sh- Rose and I will figure out something else to do to keep, keep ourselves oh, occupied, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, actually, while we're on Star Wars, um, right now I am planning, because, you know, 
as I mentioned, they canceled all these spin-off films. One thing I really want to do like a group discussion of for the podcast is the state of Star Wars at the moment and how what the future should be. And um, I have multiple people I want to get on there. Uh, you being one of them, Rose, if you'd like to be on that that episode. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, I'll have to. I don't know when we're gonna do it, but I'll I'll have to let you know. <laughs> okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's something to look forward to for us. Um, coming from us is uh, looking ahead at Star Wars, looking at its current state and what's gone wrong, and how we come back from that, or how the franchise rises from its current slump. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the podcast for you guys. Uh, some great stories going on in the world of movie news. Uh, so much more I wanted to talk about today, but, you know, we're limited to only three stories. So next week we'll talk about more things. But um, before we go, obviously I want to thank my special guest, Rose Dayton. Rose, thank you once again for oh, gracing us with you. your presence <laughs> via audio. <laughs> um, what are you, I guess you said you're not really work, getting a chance to work on your creative stuff, your work, but... Um, is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to tell people about or get into the Ethernets or whatever? Um, I don't really do much as far as, like, I mean, I am on social media, but um, I don't really, I guess, have a following quite like you. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try to work on some story ideas, so maybe if I have any substantial ones, I'll pass them on and let you know what I'm working on. For sure. Well, we look forward to whatever you're working on, and... Uh, as always, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. <laughs> of course, anytime. We'll do it again soon. And as for me, guys, you know where to find me. You can follow me on uh, all social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, at TheBigView75, uh, Instagram, TheBigView75 underscore Vince. And uh, you can follow this podcast on Anchor Podcast. We are on Apple Podcast. We're on Google Podcasts. The thing that helps me the most is if you guys write a review and share this podcast from Apple. Uh, that really helps me get out, uh, letting people know who I am, what I'm doing. Uh, viewership has gone up uh, significantly, not too much, but you know enough to where it, it counts. So I really appreciate you guys looking into the podcast and subscribing. Uh, my current episode where I review Incredibles 2 with uh, Grant Carson, my old friend, is on the on my uh, podcast now. You can check that out. And then also my review of Avengers Infinity War. This was my review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. And as for what happens next, well, we'll find out. Uh, again, special thanks to Rose for being on the show. Thank you all for watching. Hope you have a great day. God bless and peace out.